he sat there doing all this financial modelling and working out, is everything going to be okay? It is so rewarding when you get to that point where the business has finally turned around. Sage empowers finance professionals like Kat to feel more rewarded with helpful business tools and advice from real experts. Sage, helping business flow. We're going back to our roots with the hard-hitting prison stories today. Tommy has just come down from London and he's also just told me that he's had a very serious operation recently. What was worse, Tommy, a uh, triple bypass or prison in Jamaica? Oh, that's a difficult one. I think fucking prison in Jamaica was the worst <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, because I thought, am I going to survive this one? I think I thought, no, I'm going to survive the triple bypass. But when I went in there, I was like... Oh, no, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't know any. You know what I mean. Basically. Why were we in Jamaica in the first place? Well, I was involved in music for years, and I was involved with reggae artists, and I started going to Jamaica. You know, somebody asked me if I wanted to bring some sense of Amelia back, the healing of the nation, to make a few quid. And I went for it, and that's how it sort of started. Basically. So take us through that transaction then. Um, well, basically I was working with a few rasters and it was offered to me if I wanted to make some money to bring some weed back, you know, I thought about it, finances were low and I took the, um, the plunge, so to speak, and I got away with it. How, how were you going to bring it back? It was wrapped up in suitcases, basically, yeah. So suitcases were like false compartments or just in packages in suitcases? False compartments in packages, yeah. How, how do you do that so it's not going to get detected by dogs and stuff? Mm, well, <laughs> yeah. well, it never got con um, detected because I was told that there'd be no problems coming through. So I just took it at the word, you know. And, and I did get through and I got away with it. So you got through the first time. Yeah. You yeah. got through Jamaican yeah, side. Yeah. Landed on the UK side. Yeah, and that's when my ass was going a bit when I got into the UK, you know. I was like, oh, no, this is the... And as I was, I was coming through, there nothing to declare. Next thing, a customs officer came to me. Fucking, my heart was going. And he pulled someone in front of me and pulled them. And I was like, wow. And I got through. So... um Happy days, you know what I mean? How long is the flight? Ten hours. Were you sweating it? Um, not really till it comes to landing, and then I'm starting to think about it, you know, having a few, you know, calm the nerves, so to speak. Were you more afraid at the Jamaican end or the English end? The Jamaican end. <laughs> Why? Well, I knew the English end, I knew the system, I didn't have a clue about Jamaica, I didn't know, you know, I didn't have a, I hadn't looked into it, I didn't. I just thought, if I get caught here, man, I'm sure it ain't going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But they said they'd pay people off at yeah, the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you got to the UK, how did you distribute it? Well, I just handed it over, got my pay, and that was it. You know, I was just a runner. How much profit did you make? Five grand. And what year was this? 2001. So did you go back then and do another run? Yeah. What happened on that day? That's when I got collared. Okay, so run us through the day. Well, basically, 
I was in um, Montego Bay, due to fly out of Montego Bay, and then I was told we'd be flying out of Kingston, which was a change of plan. So you're yeah. at the airport? Yeah. You think they've been paid off at that airport? Yeah, yeah. But now we've got an airport switch. Yeah, yeah. Are they paid off at this other airport? Yeah, I'm just f***ing, you know what I mean, <laughs> hoping that it is. Yeah. And then you get to the other airport? I get to the other airport, mm -hmm. I'm in the airport, next thing I see him pulling people in the queue, and I'm thinking, oh shit man, this ain't looking good. What did these guys look like who were pulling people? Well, it was customs, it was a woman who actually pulled me, a fat woman, yeah, and um, she pulled me to one side, did you pack these cases, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she had your cases? Yeah, you know, like in the, when they pulled you out and, yeah. you know. Opened them up. It was five kilos of weed and a kilo of cocaine, which I didn't know about. Where did she open the cases at? Pardon? Where, where were you when she opened the cases? She took me to a back room, yeah. All right, so you're in the line. Yeah. They ask you if you do your cases. Yeah, yeah. Come with me. Yeah, yeah. You go in that room. Yeah. Are the cases already opened or do they open in front of you? They open in front of me. Describe what they do. They're talking to you as they're opening it. Did you pack this? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Open the case. And I'm thinking, oh, this ain't looking good. Because to be honest, I didn't 100% know what was in there because I never packed the cases. Are you thinking they're not going to find the compartment? Hey, uh, Well, I'm hoping they wasn't. Yeah. And did they have tools or something? Did they know to open the, how did they know to open the, find the compartment? Well. X-rays? And knives and sticking, yeah. So you're watching them, yeah. thinking, F let's hope they, they don't find this. Yeah. They're, they're sticking knives in. Yeah. And there's weed and coke. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I knew there was weed in there, but I hadn't actually packed it. I mean, you know. So did you feel betrayed and used when you saw the coke? I did, 100%, yeah. And was there a backup plan in case you got caught? Well, there was no backup plan because I never thought about getting caught. Mm. Got no money set aside for a lawyer or anything like that? No, no. All right, so how long are you in that room for? I was in that, well, I ended up in that room for a few hours, but there was also cash as well. I had cash in there, yeah, 10,000 US dollars, yeah. Okay, so you're in shit now. What do they tell you next is going to happen? Oh, I had two policemen come in to me, yeah. Asked me who I bought it off. I just, you know, I said, I bought it off a raster man, you know. One of them slapped me around the face, you know. I think we're a stupid white man. And I was like, fuck that hurt, you know what I mean? But as time went on, we did a deal where they took the 10,000 US dollars, kept the five kilos of weed and just charged me with the kilo of cocaine. What? Yeah. <laughs> as time went on that day or later yeah, on? No, that day. So yeah. right there and then, you say, keep the 10 Gs. Yeah. Just charge me with the coke. Yeah. Why not get charged with the weed instead of the coke? Because that's lesser serious, isn't it? Mm. Was it their idea to yeah. do, do you with yeah. the coke? Yeah, yeah. And it was a kilo of coke. Yeah. And did they tell you, for this kilo of coke, you'll be doing a certain sentence? Well, I'll get less time. But I didn't know anyway. I mean, I was, you know what I mean? Because I, I didn't have a clue yeah. about the Jamaican penal system at all. I just did not know. Yeah. Mm. So you've seen on TV where they're all, I want a lawyer. 
Did you do any training of that business? Well, it, it turned out I was there till the early hours in the morning. Eventually, when they took me to the um, remand centre, I was in the early hours of the night, and there was literally gunshots going off, and the police got out of the car with their guns. I mean, you got to remember it. I didn't have a clue. I, it's not like I'd lived in Jamaica for years, you know yeah, what I mean? I'd only yeah. been there a couple of times on holiday. Yeah. You know, I didn't know what I was going to be facing. Yeah. You know, I really, and the policeman said to me, you ever been in jail before, white man? And I didn't want to tell me I had a load of convictions anyway. I went, no, he went, bomba clock, as if to say, and my heart just fucking sank then, you know what I mean? Oh, what have I got myself into? Yeah. Yeah. I'll just have some water. Yeah, go for it. So they're taking you now to a different facility from that building, the airport building. Yeah. What's the next facility you go to? Remo, which was in Trenchtown. I mean, I didn't even know this place at all, you know. It was just, I didn't know what it was, didn't know, you know. I mean, I didn't have a clue at all. Yeah. I was completely naive. So just take us into that. What's it like? Well, when I walked in there, you know, next thing, the whole place was fucking screaming at me, you know You're I mean? the only white man? I was, yeah, yeah. And the whole place just erupted, everybody shouting. I mean, they was probably taking the piss, but I didn't know any of this, you know what I mean? You're going to die in here, pussy hole, fucking this all kind of, oh, no, fucking, you're not going to put me in this fucking cell, are you, please? <laughs> yeah. And what did the prisoners look like to you? Quite menacing. They did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they was fucking menacing anyway. Yeah, they was. What's your first cell like? Well, when they walked me in, it was like a corridor of cells. And I didn't know at the time, I know now, but they used to get toilet paper and they wind it in a very long, and they'd light them. So out of all the cells, there'd be these like lit bits of toilet paper so they could light their cigarettes. But when you're walking down, it just looked at fucking, in the middle of the night, it looked a bit like... Hey, and I'm thinking, oh, fucking, oh, oh, the fucking hell am I doing here? Like a house of horrors. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was the cell like then? Well, basically, when they opened the door, there was me and five other Jamaicans. I'm putting the cell in the middle of the night with them. And they're obviously, you know, it's a bit of entertainment, I'm supposing, looking back on it at the beginning, you know, for them all of a sudden. We've got some white pussy all turned up in the middle of the night and he's stuck in the cell with us, you know. And I'm on the floor, you know what I mean? Like, fucking no pillars, no blankets, no nothing. What were the first things they said to you? You're going to die in here. That's what he was telling me. I was like, oh, fuck it. And next thing, we started going on about slavery and I didn't know what. what am I? I, well, it had fuck all to do with me. It's about the only thing I could say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Mm. So were they? Did you feel like they could have got physical with you at any moment? Five on one. Well, I did, yeah. And they all pulled knives out on me, but and put them on different points of my body. You know, they all made first shanks. night. Yeah, you go in and they've first all put night. In, they the all just pull knives on you. The first night, yeah, the first night, and I wouldn't have fucking believed it if I hadn't have been there to find out. But now when I look back on it, they was winding me up, taking the piss. You know, I was a bit of entertainment for that evening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they put them away and they all started laughing. But my <laughs> fucking heart was going, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no. What's the sleeping situation? Just on the floor, you know what I mean? 
Get away from me, white man. Fucking just not. There was no. There was. There was. It was just the floor, the concrete floor, no pillow, no nothing. You know? Everyone was sleeping on the floor. Yeah, yeah. But they had a bit of you know pillars and this, that, and the other, and their own bits of rubber foam mattresses or what have you. But because I, you know, I didn't have anything. I imagine it is hard to sleep in an environment where five guys have just pulled knives on you, and that you're on the floor and they're kicking you around. It, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. What's going through your head at that point? I just shut my eyes and try not to listen to this. You know what I mean? I, were, I just fucking see how it all pans out. Just like the ostrich head in the sand thing, just yeah, like trying to bit, block it out. It's not there. A bit, yeah. A bit, yeah. And is your brain thinking, what the fuck have I got myself into? It was. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd done a little sentence in Thailand a few years previously, so I'd had a little bit of an idea of a third world prison, but, you know, this place was... Uh, it wasn't nice anyway, you know, especially, you know, you got to think the first night, it's not like I've got any clue at all about what goes on in the Jamaican prison at all. You know, I, I, it was just completely naive. I'm, I'm almost like a holiday maker who's just appeared there. One minute I'm on holiday, next thing I'm in fucking, you know. So what happened in the night? I mean, it was just a load. The people were shouting from the other cells, he was going to kill me, he was going to, yeah. Probably they was all winding me up, but I didn't know any of this. You know what I mean? I didn't know any of this. So the whole prison population's threatening to kill you. You're in a cell with guys with knives. Yeah. yeah. You can't sleep. Yeah, yeah. Is your heart going? Fucking hell, it was, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not fucking John Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Are you, um, what about the heat out there? Are you sweating a lot? I was sweating. Oh, man, I was sweating, yeah. Is it really hot in that? That that part of the world. It is, yeah, yeah. Especially, what month was it? It was, it was um, August, September, October. Yeah. Are you in your yeah. civvy clothes still, or have they stripped you out? No, I'm in. I'm in civvy clothes. Yeah. Have you had any yeah. strip searches yet? Yeah, I've already been strip searched, but I mean, you know. What is the strip search like in Jamaica? Um, they just strip you off. Basically, they don't they don't put a, anything up your ass. You know. Yeah. But, you know, bend down and have a look. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So imagine. Daybreak, um, people like starting to do stuff. Yeah, what's what's going on in your in your cell? Well, I didn't know, but then it was time for shower, and the shower was bottles of water, and you rush into a toilet and you pour the water on yourself, <laughs> and everyone's shouting, "Hurry up, white man!" Screaming, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the morning, the first morning of the woke up, the guy who threatened to kill me got stabbed to death. The first fucking in the first 24 hours that I was in that cell the guy in the cell opposite me got murdered I was fucking it freaked me out fucking how do you know he got murdered because I do I heard all the scuffling I heard all the fucking tales and it turned out this kid had been winding everybody up and someone like they do he's gone in and fucking done him Jesus yeah no they did this was the first wow <laughs> was that a relief to you that an, yeah, an enemy was out of the way ah <sighs> Oh, that's a hard one I don't know I just couldn't believe it was happening yeah if someone had told me this was happening it was like something out of a fucking film I wouldn't have believed it were you thinking at this point you needed a weapon I was, I was fucking I, 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 I don't know what I was thinking I was just fucking you're in shock shot basically yeah. yeah yeah so tell us what kind of things people start to do as the day begins after the shower um 
Well, it's a lot of not. It's not a lot of movement in itself. Cause it's not very big. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, you've all you got know, your floor space. Yeah, that's about it. You know, there's a little hole in the floor for the toilet. You know what I mean? And um, you know, everyone's chatting amongst themselves. And I was just literally fucking shell shocked. Are they chatting in English? Yeah, in so in, in, in Patois, yeah, Jamaican. You know? Yeah. Are they, they, are they trying to talk, ask you any questions about what you know what you're doing here and that kind of shit? Yeah, I mean, it's just in in a way, it was breaking up the boredom of their day, really, as you know what it's like. You so you were a bit I mean? of a curiosity yeah, for them, basically. Did you feel that you kind of like winning them over a bit, talking to them? You were you feeling less threatened the next day? A little bit, but I was very fucking aware. You know what I mean? That you know, fucking, that I was on my own. You know, there was no, you know, there was no comforting words coming at me from anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Do the guards bring any food around? Yeah, but it, 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 I, I, I couldn't eat. I don't think I ate for about three weeks. I mean, you know, I might have had a fucking a drink of water or something. I just wasn't in the mood for eating, to be honest. What was the food like? Um, Watery fucking bullshit. I don't know what it was. I bit of moldy rice and you know it wasn't you know moldy rice yeah and any kind of meat chicken neck or something chicken like that. i don't neck. know it's like or fucking paws or whatever it was like it wasn't it wasn't fucking edible yeah you know i've been used to eating steaks and looking after myself you know what i mean insects spiders there was rats there was fucking cockroaches there was all kinds of things yeah, yeah. and did they come out especially when you were asleep the cockroaches um, I don't, I don't, that was the least of my worries at that moment in time, to be honest. You know what I mean? It really was. That was, you know. What was your main worry at that time? Fucking what's going to happen to me? You know, the what uncertainty. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And how many days of that cell were you in? I think altogether about six weeks back when forward to court. Yeah. Did you have yeah. the same cellmates or did they change? No, I had the same cellmates. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, At least you got yeah, established yeah. with some people. But they'd been in there quite a long time. Some of them, you know what I mean, been on remand six, nine months, so they'd been quite a fucking. Were they long... advising you about court procedures? Well, they told me when I was going to go to the general penitentiary, which was the main prison, that I was definitely going to get killed when I got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that wasn't a joke this time. Oh well, you know. Whether you, you know, they was winding me up or not, I don't yeah. know. But, you know, and, you know, backwards and forwards to court. But eventually, when I got sentenced, yeah, and he remembered, I didn't even know. They gave me three years, two years. This, I didn't know it was concurrent, consecutive. I was just like, I didn't, I thought I'd got seven years, you know what I mean? And, um, when they took me to the main prison, which was the um, general penitentiary in, like near the airport, after I got sentenced, and when I got there, I was like, "Oh man, I don't fucking, I'm gonna get through this." You know what I mean? I'm trying to put on a brave face. I mean, I wasn't showing any fear, but inside I was feeling it. You know, I was. Yeah. Before we go there, then, what was it like going to court? Does a van come and get you? It was. It was like a white box van, and where you stand up in there. Yeah. You stood up in the yeah, van. Yeah, you know, in, they have like cells where you kind of... A little cubicle thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah seen yeah, them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in court, what, the first time you were in court, what was that like? Is the judge... Do you get assigned a public defender? No. I never the first time, no, but then um, 
The second time I did, yeah. He said, you know, I need a, a lawyer. So the judge appointed you a public defender? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what was the judge like? Well, it was an all-black court. I'd never been in an all-black court. You know, I was the only white man when they brought me up from the cells, you know. Yeah. And um, I was like, I don't know. I was, I was in fucking shock. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was in some fucking weird film. I was just hoping I'd wake up from <laughs> Mm. So the the arresting officers have done a deal with you, but yeah. that's not been confirmed in the court. What is the court telling you your charges are? Importation of a kilo of cocaine. So the so the police did you right then? Yeah. That deal they yeah. stuck to it. Yeah. yeah. And did your public defender tell you what sentence, maximum sentence for that was? Well, they were saying it could be five or seven years. I mean, I didn't know. You know, I didn't I didn't have a clue. And in Jamaica, what, what percent do you have to serve? You have to, um, two thirds. Two thirds. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at, you're saying, all right, maybe six years, two yeah. thirds, yeah. I'm out in four. Yeah. Is that yeah. where your mind is at? Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you say it was before you got sentenced? I think it was about six weeks. That's quite quick, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Mine was 26 months. Fuck you know. Yeah. That, like you said, the uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen to you. Yeah, yeah. That's the worst part. It was, and Once yeah. you get sentenced, yeah. at least you know. Exactly, yeah. And what yeah. was your sentence? Well, I eventually I got two and a half years plus a fine of 300,000 Jamaican dollars. And if I didn't pay that, I'd do an extra four months. So in, in effect, it turned out to be three years, which I did to two years. Yeah. How yeah. much is that in uh, US UK pounds? I can't, I can't fucking remember, to be honest. Was it quite a lot, though. Things about 4,000 quid. 4,000 quid. Mm. So you just uh, did an extra four months to yeah. cover that. Yeah. 1,000 quid a month. At the beginning, though, you know what I mean? I was thinking, oh, I should have paid this. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But, yeah. Did you have access to money? I didn't, no, no. In the uh, Jamaican prison, can family and friends send you money to spend? They can, yeah. How yeah, does that work? Yeah. Basically, you have a guard. He um, texts them his bank details, and they put the money in his bank. He takes his cut out of it, and then he gets it to you. Yeah. So it's all done through the guards. Yeah, 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 I yeah, see. yeah. How did the guards treat the prisoners? Some of them was fucking animals. It was dangerous. I mean, I mean, some of the guards would get shot as well. It was quite. I mean, it was. Fucking, did you see that? Uh, no, I never actually. But you, you know, you yeah. heard about it. Yeah, yeah. What did you see? Well, I seen some serious stabbings. I seen some serious beatings. Yeah, you know. I mean, what was the stabbings over? Bullshit. After time, just nothing. I mean, you know. And because it was the maximum security, most of the people were predominantly doing life. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, people just, you know, it was fucking hardcore drug dealers, you know, murderers, fucking rapists. Yardy gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Who's got the most power in the prison? Um, Obviously the dons and the guards. The dons? Yeah, yeah. What's a don? He's like the lead man in it, the main man in the jail, you know. So that's the shot caller? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, the shot caller, yeah. And is the shot caller, would that be like a yardy gangster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. were I've, you... I think there was about 1,800, 2,000 people in there when I was there. 2,000 prisoners? Yeah, so it was quite a... So there's one main shot caller over all the whole of the prisoners, or is it divided? There's a few of them, there's a couple of them, yeah. Are some yeah. of the gangs at war in there? 
They are, yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, there's lots of them dealing crack in there. It's fucking, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was smoke crack in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lots of weed was coming in. Lots of weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, people like the guards were selling weapons, selling phones. Things would get through in over the wall. Yeah. You know, there's a. So the first time you saw stabbing, can you describe the circumstances of that? Yeah, it was near the um, where we used to slop out, you know, where you shit and you urine and you fucking, and there the trouble would escalate, you know, fucking get away from me and splash me and fucking knives and come out and. Yeah. So you saw a, a altercation over slopping out. Yeah, yeah. Knives came out. Yeah. And one individual got really stabbed yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Can you remember what exactly what you saw? Um, well, just seeing the guy get stabbed to fucking death, basically. You Where was he mean? stabbed? Uh, everywhere, everywhere. Fucking. And then we're all fucking put back in the cells. The fucking screws running with their fucking batons, you know. Yeah, there was uh, there was some serious serious beatings as well. Guards are prisoners both basically on the stabbing one then was it a group of people stabbed him or just one just one yeah just one what yeah. what would the uh can you describe some of the other beatings then i mean over the couple of years this was there was fucking loads of him you know what i mean yeah but the yeah. ones you know you could just you know the guards would literally go to town beating the fuck out of somebody if there's any problems and most of us were dressed in shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts and he'd hit him on the elbows, on the kneecaps, you know what I mean, on the ankles. Yeah. You know, to subdue him, you know. And you could hear the popping sounds as the fucking, the wooden battens were going. I mean, fuck, man. After time, I didn't even want to look sometimes, you know what I mean? It was. See people getting the bones broken and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that quite routine then? There's no human rights? No, no human rights at all, no. Was the food any better in the prison versus the remand place? No, it wasn't. But eventually when I started getting money coming through, you'd pay someone to cook food for you, you know. What did you get cooked? Maybe bits of chicken, decent rice, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yams, you know. I mean, I used to look around the prison sometimes and and it was some of the prisoners, it looked like you was in Belson. Yeah. It was so fucking thin. If you didn't have money and no connections, I mean, you was fucking lower than a dog, you know? Yeah. Often in these poorer countries, uh, a Westerner is viewed as like a piggy bank. Yeah. Were they? Tra- were you targeted? Yeah, yeah. What happened? I just fucked them off, though, you know what, what I mean? What did they say to you? Hey, fucking give me this, give me that, white man. Well, I go on differently. You got this, you got that, but I just... And you, I couldn't let me guard down, even though I was fucking scared. And knew if I started that, then they'd be fucking all over me, you know. So you're telling, they're coming saying, give me this, give me that. Yeah. What stuff have you got that they want? Fruit. Fruit? Fruit, yeah. You know, if you've got money, you could buy it. I mean, I didn't have loads of money. Yeah. You know, I'd get something like £50 a month coming in, which was quite a lot of money in Jamaica. Yeah, so you're spending just over 10 quid a week, yeah. like $15, yeah, $20 yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we could spend like $20 a week where we were at. Yeah, yeah. So you're buying fruit. What fruit are you buying? Oranges, bananas, fucking 
grapes, whatever you could get hold of, basically, you know. Yeah. With, after about a year of being in there, they actually opened, because there was no, what we call a tuck shop or a canteen. But after about a year, they opened one in there. But in a way, it was a nightmare going there to buy your stuff because everybody could see what you've got. You know what I mean? It was like, oh. On remand, you were in a cell with five people. Yeah, yeah. Who you in a cell with in the prison? When they put me in the prison, same again, five or six. But after a week, they gave me my own cell. Have you got a bunk? No, it was just me on my own. They put me in the cell with nothing. No pillow, no blankets, nothing, absolutely nothing, but I was happy. Because you were away from the people. Oh, I was fucking happy, man. I lay down at night with no light bulb, nothing, but I was fucking happy on my own. Could you lock your door? Um, No, I mean, the door was locked for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And my cell, it was like an old-fashioned, like them cowboy cells. You know what it was? Yeah, Yeah, not with the fucking bars. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a view of anything? Well, I did, actually. I could see the fucking airport. I used to drive me insane (laughs) at night when the fucking BA was pulling out for, you know, at the beginning of the sentence, you know, oh, man, well, you know, oops. Did you make friends with anyone? Well, I ended up, I joined the prison band. The prison band, how does that work? I did, yeah. Well, there was a band in there called the um, Bloom of Light. And they'd been, they was all lifers, yeah. And um, because of my musical connections, um, the, the guy in the cell next door to me was the guitar player in the in the Bloom of Light. I ended up playing percussion in the band. Wow. And the guy who was in the band was, was the guy called Dennis LeBon. Now, Dennis LeBon was doing, well, he'd, he'd got sentenced to death for the murder of Peter Tosh, who was part of Bob Marley and the Whalers. He was in the band, but, it was a godsend for me because it was a positive thing. Yeah. I became the prison secretary, also playing percussion. Anytime there was any kind of musical things going on, we got a little bit of extra food and got out of the cell and, you know, so that helped me a lot. Yeah. And did those lifers have your back then? Um, the band players. A little bit. A bit. It was like a little oasis away from the rest of the prison, you know. So there was actually a band's room in there as well. I mean, this was a third world prison. You know, it was it was nothing like a you know a Western prison. It it was like something probably two hundred years ago in Victorian times, but in the sun. Other challenges that you had to face, just on a daily basis, really. Fucking walking around with. I mean, there was some fucking lunatics and psychopaths in there. You know what I mean? It was scariest moment then with a lunatic or a psychopath. Um, oh, there was loads of them. There was quite a lot of them, you know. There was quite a lot. Um, well, we've got plenty of time. The people love to hear these stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was threats. I mean, I'm, I'd, for about a year, I was getting threatened daily by at least uh, somebody every day wanted to kill me. I mean, So they would come in your cell or they would yell at you from afar? How, how were these threats delivered? Well, I got a house brick through at me once. A, a little, I felt a, a whoosh. Just got. I just felt like a fucking, and it was a full house brick. Where were you in the cell? No, no, I was standing upside on the landing, and and I felt this. Woof. I didn't see it. I just felt like a wash of air. And next thing I heard this, woof. I looked round. And it was a fucking a full house brick, 
And I looked down and some guy fucking smile on his face. If it would have hit me, he would have killed me. Fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah. So like in America, if someone did that to you, you've got to retaliate, otherwise you're a punk. But you're a one white guy in yeah. an all black prison. Yeah. If you retaliate, you're probably dead, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, a lot. I mean, I'm also quite diplomatic, you know. I wasn't John Wayne. If I wanted a fucking fighter who would have two thousand would have fucking willingly fought me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, what was other other close calls like that? Well, I was wheeling and dealing as well, you know, like I owed money here and I owed money there. And, you know, I had, a, yeah, quite a lot of threats to get the money back out of me. But luckily, I eventually paid everybody off, you know. Why were you in debt? Weed, smoking, fucking getting sick. Sick was allowed because he was a white guy and they knew that he was getting money. And there was an organisation there called Prison Abroad as well. Every three months, he got 50 quid as well. So, you know, when I didn't have money, he'd borrow stuff and... So, Prisoners Abroad, you want just to tell people watching this who they are? Because they're a really good organisation and I fully support them. Well, basically, they started, as you know, in 1978. I think it was one woman had a boyfriend who was in jail in Morocco. And it started from that, 1978. I mean, I don't know, it's 40-odd years now, isn't it? You know, and they got a grant and they got a little office in Finsbury Park in North London where... Anybody who is serving a prison sentence around the world, they do their best to take care of them. If you're a UK citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did the British Embassy help you? No. but Well, actually, they didn't actually help, but they bring them money in from prisoners abroad. Yeah. So you you actually had cash in the prison? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you, how did you conceal that? Well, she kept it with me at all times, basically, you know what I mean? Inside your body? Yeah, yeah. 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 And you described the brick, you described threats over debts. Yeah. What other life-threatening situations were you in? Oh, there was fucking loads of times people would just pull knives on you and show it, you'd come to your cell late at night, you was wandering around, you know, and can you, they want you to hide things in your cell as well for them, you know what I mean? But I wasn't having none of that. I mean, I knew that if I started fucking bowing down to him, as you know, I would have got, it would have been a target. But also, for the first few months, I was keeping my mouth shut as well and watching everything that was going on. I mean, you know, as you, you know, yeah. Laying law, absorbing things is the best prison survival advice, isn't it? Yeah. Don't go in and run your mouth and yeah, act like a big yeah, guy or anything yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. What about sex in prison and rape? Did you were you aware of anything like that going on? Well, because Jamaica is a homophobic country, you know what I mean. To be uh, to be gay, you could get murdered. You know, they, I mean, they're still homophobic there now, and it was what they call a Batman wing, where it was just predominantly all the gay prisoners were kept to one section. So there was none of that. Even when you took a shower, they would leave their underpants on because they're so homophobic. So you'd be which I was quite happy about. I didn't want to be stripping off, you know what I mean? Fucking. Uh, did you leave your undies on when you had the shower? I did, yeah. yeah That's yeah. just customary. Everybody does it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So what's your average day like once you've settled in? Well, 20 hours a day, you was locked up. And then you was out two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, and come 
That was it. You was locked down. Because you're in max security. Yeah, yeah. You was locked down then till the following morning. How'd you pass the time locked down? Were you reading or anything? Yeah, that's that was you know fucking reading everything and anything. Did you read Mister Nice? I did, yeah. I'd already read Mr. Nice when I was in jail in Thailand because <laughs> Howard was a friend of mine, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, on my final night, I actually read Howard's book again. My dad sent it me when I was in Supermax in yeah. Arizona. Okay, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a good book. It was a nice guy. Did you ever come across Howard? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, post, after my criminal career, when I was starting out doing events, yeah, yeah. and Howard was the big yeah, headliner. yeah, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I bumped into him at, at events, and he, yeah. he was very nice. Yeah, he was uh, a very, very yeah, funny guy. Yeah, he was, yeah, great guy. So, how did you know Howard personally? I met Howard. I think it was in. He got out in '96. I met Howard in 2000 at um, Oxford University with a friend of mine called Billy Idle, which is I D L E who was a DJ, and I had a band there from Ireland. Howard was there doing his one-man show, and I went over and introduced myself, and then it turned out that Howard, he lived around Labrock Grove. He had an office on the All Saints Road where I was living, in, um, and we became friends from that, and we used to, I used to go to his flat. We used to go out together, have a few drinks, and I got to know him over a few years. Yeah. I imagine you got stoned with him. I did, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What other books did you enjoy reading in the prison? Well, I read War and Peace. Have you ever read War and Peace? Tolstoy, yeah, yeah. 1,444 pages. With 550 characters in there, yeah. <laughs> but I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, I read it twice. Oh, it's my know. favourite book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. love Tolstoy. Yeah, it was a... Uh, I, I I went on this uh, through all the Russians really. Um, Anna, what's it? Anna Anna Chekhov. Yeah, Chekhov was my favourite. Little short stories. Anton Chekhov. I can't. Got, I haven't got the correct pronunciation. What well, the day in the life of Ivan Adenovich in one day in the Gulag. And day in the life of Ivan Adenovich, Alexander yeah. Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, and he wrote one day in the Gulag. I mean, one yeah. day. You know, Gulag Archipelago. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, Solzhenitsyn was introduced to me by a guy called Two Tonys, who was a mafia guy in Arizona. Okay. And he he worked for the Bonanno crime family. He was doing 141 years. Okay. And he'd left the dead bodies of rivals from Arizona to Alaska. Okay. Well, I started writing his life story and he protected me. Okay. So like you said, you know, your musical skills became yeah. your currency. Yeah. My education and writing became my currency. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. Well, that's how it works, isn't it? Whatever skill set you've got. Yeah, you use, yeah. Get get your hustle on. Yeah. 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 So, what other books? I'm, I'm quite interested. It sounds like we've got a very similar taste in books. One of my greatest books I love one was Papillon. And then the, oh, my the, God. Yeah, I've read that twice. And then the follow-up, Banco. Yeah, you know, yeah, read them both. Yeah. Papillon was the best, though. Yeah, it was, yeah. It gives Quite you that sense of adventure. Escaping and going yeah. through the island of the yeah. lepers. And, uh... I met someone who came from quite a wealthy family that kind of knew Papillon from a long time back in... Wow. You know, yeah, so... I mean, I, I've read anything. One of my favourite books as well is Down and Out in Paris and London, George Orwell. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I've read you know, that one. Yeah, you know. Hemingway wrote one as well about being in Paris, uh, 
Was it a movable feast? I've not read that, no. That's a good one as okay, well. Okay, then, yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've tried to read nearly all of Or- Orwell's. Well, I mean, you had six years, didn't you? You read a thousand books, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not as easy to read things now when you're running around doing things and also writing. In know? 2006, I read 268 books, wrote them all down, yeah. told my sister I've just read 268 books this year. She's got a degree in classical history. She goes, you lucky bugger. Yeah, it's worth that People time. have lives, jobs, families, responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. No one could possibly read That's that right. much unless yeah, they yeah. were, you know, yeah. where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I must have read a wrecking close on 300 books. I mean, I can't remember Brilliant. half of them. You know, I mean, I would read yeah. anything that was around. It was just, as you know, it'd take you away for 20 hours a day. You know what I mean? Did you read any Kafka? No. No, no, no. no. I mean, it was a third world prison as well, so it wasn't like highly stocked fucking with great, you know, you know, it was, you know, fucking Graham Greene or books that people had never even heard of or just open a book and read them, you know. Yeah, the most common books in American prisons probably things like Tom Clancy, Stephen King. Yeah, I'm not really into that kind of stuff, to be honest. Although they reckon it's good to read them, but one of my favourite books as well was an old book. It's about, um, it was half French, Vietnamese. Charles Sabrage, The Life and Crimes of Charles Sabrage. Have you heard of that? No, I've not read that one. Fantastic book to read. He's now, he was a serial killer and he ended up, he murdered people in Thailand, he murdered people in um, India and they arrested him in India and uh, the statue of rights had run out in Thailand to extradite him back. When his sentence finishing, instead of going back to Thailand to face further charges, they let him free a serial killer and sent him back to Paris. Not that long ago, but he couldn't resist the lure of Asia and he came back and he got rearrested in Nepal. He's doing life now in um, in Nepal. He must be 74, 75. Yeah, Look the book up, though, The Life and Crimes of Charles Sabrage. I think Netflix are making a film about him. Well, on the subject of books, you've got a book out, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? It, well, Nightmare in Jamaica. <laughs> and when did that come out? Well, it came out on the 22nd of August and the day after I had a heart attack. <laughs> so I didn't really get a chance to promote it. I'm just, I'm coming round now. And well, we actually had, um, we were, we arranged to do this in September, I believe, yeah. didn't we? And, you know, yeah. So can people buy that book worldwide on Amazon? They can buy it worldwide. They can buy it from online retailers. They can order it via Waterstones, order it and go and collect it in Waterstones. People have, um, yeah. Because I've got a lot of views in America, so it'll be on Amazon in America. Okay, then. So what I'll do is I'll put the link in the description box below this video to Tommy's book yeah. if you want to get more of the details of what happened in the, the Jamaican prison, yeah. Jamaican prison story. So you got your routine. Yeah. Are you doing any, like, workout fitness stuff? I was, yeah, which was quite, <laughs> yeah, it was quite laughable, really, but I was doing a routine, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Well, press-up, sit-ups in the cell, but there was also, um, it was an outside gymnasium with some old rusty weights that I used to go down there. But, I mean, I was, you know, I'm not really a big guy, you know what I mean? Surrounded by fucking muscle men, you know what I mean? I sometimes heard them sniggering behind me, but I thought, fuck it, I've got to do something, you know what I mean? I got involved in football as well as playing football in there, so. Did they accept you in the weight room, or were they a bit, who, who is this guy? Um, bit of both, really, I think, yeah. And it wasn't really like a, a weight room. It was just an outside fucking, you know, where 
you know, and it, and it is a third world prison as well. And it did have the highest murder rate in the Caribbean, so all the fucking lunatics were in there. In terms of football then, how did you start in that? I just introduced myself and started playing with him, basically, you know what I mean? And to be honest, I'm not even a football fan. I don't, but I loved football playing it. I was quite good at it as a kid, but watching it never really did much for me. But I'm more, I like to participate in things, yeah. Do you like to play a certain position? Um, I didn't I didn't care where I was playing, but usually I was putting goals, you know what I mean? <laughs> so they the could time, pull the ball at you? I was like 41, you know, and a lot of these kids were a lot younger than me, so, you know, yeah. So, is time starting to like when you first go in? It's like you're thinking, "Oh, I'm never going to get out. Time is slow." Oh. But did time start to speed up as you got more settled? It did, yeah. Thank God, you know what I mean. Yeah. And how are your family and friends in the UK reacting to your situation? Well, for the first few months, I never told anybody where I was. I hadn't even told them that I was gonna. Well, you know, I didn't even say I was in Jamaica. Yeah. You know, but. After, you know, a couple of months, I was thinking, I've got to, you know, my dad's going to be pulling his hair out. People are going to be worrying, you know what I mean? Where is he? So I did tell the um, embassy to contact him, and that's when the money started to come through. Were you able to phone them? I was able to phone them, but not at the beginning. It took me a while to get to know who was who and who had the phones and how much it was going to cost and this, that and the other, but yeah. How much did it cost? Hey, I, f- I forget now. It seems that long ago. Yeah. How did it feel to speak to your family the first time from the prison? Um, I, to be honest, I wish I hadn't have been able to speak to him in some ways because I... You know, I don't even like visits because it puts you on a down and doesn't it? You know, they go away and you're like... Yeah. But it was good. My father ended up having a heart attack, so it was good. I, You know, and he ended up sending... He paid for my sister and her um, husband to come out and see me about a year later, so... What's visitation like in Jamaica? It's all right. You sat around a the table. There's, you know, there's opportunities to do things if you've got money, you know, yeah. Is there a code of conduct amongst the prisoners whereby visits are respected? Nobody messes with you out in the visit room. People yeah, aren't saying they're yeah. going to kill you or anything, no, no, pulling knives no, on no, you. No, no, no. Yeah. No. And are people smuggling things in through visitation? They are, yeah, 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 yeah. What kind of contraband? Everything, basically. Weed, coke, basically. Can the prisoners get their hands on guns? Well, there was an explosion in there. Dynamite went off in there one day. And I remember I was talking to this old raster called Moses next thing. He had this fucking explosion. I nearly had another heart attack. <laughs> and it was dynamite that stuck in the wall, but there was two walls and it blew a big fucking hole through the first wall. But the second wall was like a fucking a golf ball. Nobody could get out of it. So oh. it didn't, you know, it didn't... It, I don't know how they got the dynamite. I don't know it, but you know, I just remember the explosion and the flying masonry. So that was an escape plan that went yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Did those prisoners get punished? They did. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what happened to them? They just got the shit beat out of them, and fucking locked up. I mean, I didn't really, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't part of it. I mean, there was. It was like a small town, the prison. You know what I mean? There was things going on all over the place. You know. Mm. What about riots and hostage situations? Well, it was all kind of, um, yeah, there was, actually, not long before I got in there, 16 people had been murdered, yeah. 
And who were the people? Well, basically what happened, apparently there was talk of condoms being issued to the prisoners through the warders, and the warders took the infernings that, you know, that, well, anyway, cut a long story short, they exploded and 16 gay guys got murdered. Yeah. It, it's all documented, you know, this happened before I was in there in the general penitentiary. Condoms when they get handed to the prisoners. Yeah. And you earlier on you said that they're very homophobic, the prisoners. They are, yeah. So this was kind of approving of it. By yeah. up, that's the way yeah. they viewed it. Yeah, yeah. So they just killed the gay prisoners. Yeah, they did, yeah. That's very Jesus. insightful. You got that, yeah. Holy shit, man. That's yeah. fucking horrific. Yeah. It didn't even make the news, apparently. I mean, you know, it's on the news, but, you know, it's like... Yeah. All right, so you've got your routine. Time's going faster. Yeah. And as you're getting in the second half of your sentence, yeah. how how are you feeling at that point? Fucking hell, is this ever going to end? <laughs> you know, it was Because oh. sometimes, I mean, it was a very, very surreal experience. You know, I'd been in prison in England. I'd done a little bit of time in Thailand, but nothing like this. It was like, it, it, it literally felt like being in the Wild West. You know, the actual, you know, the the... the Looking around the prison, it wasn't a very nice sight. I just, it didn't look. It just had a feeling of, you know, anything can happen here and anything did happen there. Can you describe it then? If you looked around the prison, what would you actually see? Because it was a third world prison, it wasn't like a supermax and everything was dead clean. It was very sort of, you know, it was very, I'm not quite sure we can find the word, but it was very, um, quite scary looking. <laughs> yeah. Ominous and filthy, yeah, and old, yeah, 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 yeah. And the guards are they going around with guns and stuff? They got guns. They got gun towers around there, but the batons, basically, you know. You've desc- already described the old school cells with the bars. Yeah, yeah. What's the perimeter like? There's two chain link fences, and then outside of that, there's a wall with gun towers around it. Yeah. Did anyone try to escape? It did, yeah. I was telling you about the explosion the that explosion, went off. Yeah. yeah. Apart yeah. from that, though. Yeah. It did, but, I mean, I didn't get to know the full story after time. You know, things would happen, and I wouldn't really know what was going on. You know, I mean, I'm still finding my feet in there. And and riots, then? There was no riots, but there was people, gangs of people getting involved in fights with each other. But it wasn't like full-scale prison riot, apart from the one that happened prior to me going in there where 16 people got murdered. And and did you witness, like, gangs attacking each other? I did, yeah. yeah. What kind of damage were they doing? Well, they had machetes. I don't know where the fuck they get the machetes, the knives they had all, yeah. (laughs) So there's, like, running battles with machetes? And lots of people had horrific fucking scars on them. I mean, you know, I used to see some scars, you know, because they love machetes in Jamaica, you know, from the... um, did you see anyone get macheted? Yeah, but it's quite a big prison as well. You just see in the distance things happening. But, you know, I didn't really want to get involved. To be honest, I was like, well, I think I'll go back in my cell here and miss this, give this one a miss. Yeah, just just keeping a safe yeah. distance. Yeah. So as it's getting closer then towards the gate, how is your psychology at that point? 
Oh man, fuck it. I felt like it was the closest brush with death that had ever came to. And I just thought, am I going to get out of here alive? Each day was a fucking constant battle. I mean, I was on my toes all the time because there was things going on around me all the time. Shouting, arguing, fights, fucking knives being pulled. You know, I mean, it literally was. Yeah. What was your lowest moment? Well, I actually took a bit of a beating off one of the guards. Yeah, and I w- I'd been in pain, toothache. I ended up. I had. Why did he beat you? Because I spoke back to him, basically. What did he say? Yeah, yeah. I was ill. My fucking teeth was hurting. I was really ill, and I shouted for one of the guards, and I told him I wasn't feeling too good, and he went, "Shut up, pussy! All these fuck all wrong with you." And then I went. Fucking you twat. And next thing you come in and I took a bit of a beating. Yeah. You know. So he's just smashing you with a trunk shot. Yeah, yeah. In, in your body, in your ribs. Yeah, yeah. On my shoulder. Your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of damage did you incur from that? I got one of my teeth knocked out. I got knocked out. I was woke up in the fucking prison hospital, you know. What's the prison hospital like there? Well, it's nothing like an hospital I've ever seen before. <laughs> it was like a lunatic asylum, you know what I mean? It is a third world prison. I find it hard to describe, but it's nothing like a like a, an English hospital. How long did it take to recover from those injuries? A couple of weeks, basically, but mentally. It took me a while to, you know, I mean, I was fucking scared. I've wrote about it in the book, so I don't want to speak too much about it because I'd like people to read the book and find out. Yeah, I'm sure someone yeah. will click over and read yeah. the book, yeah. 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 Um, were you in that hospital for the two weeks? I'll no, put no. you back in your cell no. the next day. Put, put back in my cell a couple of days later. A couple of days yeah, later. Yeah. How many and, times were you attacked? Um, really, that was the first beating they actually took off a guard. I mean, I was threatened a lot by other prisoners, you know, and feigning to hit me. But, that, you know, it was a lot more, it was more verbal threats than actual physical. But after time, you didn't know that, you know, it was just scenarios was building up in my mind. And <laughs> did you have to learn the slang? I did get to understand Patois, yeah, you know what I mean? Because it is quite, you know, at first, you think, what the fuck are they saying, you know what I mean? Can you give us an example? Hey, um, the favourite one was, well, I go on differently, white man. What's going on differently? What have you got today, you know? Fucking, <laughs> hey. The favourite one was pussy hole. That was, you know, white pussy hole. That was the favourite insult. But, uh, I mean, what was I going to do after time? You know, I was like, oh, fuck it, just let this ride, you know? Mm. So you got attacked by the guards. Yeah. Um, did you get attacked more than once? By the guards? No, just the ones, yeah, but I was fucking <laughs> once too many for me. You're constantly under threat from the prisoners, all kinds of skirmishes, Yeah, but it didn't escalate to a bad level of violence with the prisoners? No, not not for me. Within themselves, yeah, but not, not towards me. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I think because I was a white guy and the warders and the British Embassy was coming in, you know, I think, you know, there was a certain degree of leave him alone. And also I was in the prison band as well, you know. I was, Do you think he wasn't a threat to them as well? 
yeah, yeah, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't strutting around the prison like fucking, you know. I You're a strange you know. in a foreign land on yeah, your own. Yeah, yeah. They're all got their own drama going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt a bit of that because I just, I just joke and say, you know, I'm the head of the English gang. Yeah, and I'm the leader of my own gang and all this shit, just messing around with them. Yeah. So as it's getting closer to your release, do you know your release date? Well, no one had actually told me when the release date was. Hmm. I had an idea and had worked it out, and it wasn't until about six weeks before I actually got on that they called me up to the office and confirmed that I was getting out, and that was such a relief because there was not one word mentioned about any release date at all by anybody. You know, it was just nobody told you nothing. <laughs> you know, it was literally like, I think I'm getting out on this day. And I never told anybody in the prison when I was getting out because the last thing you wanted to be doing to people who was doing 50 years was start bragging about I'm getting out on fucking such a day, you know. So I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it, but I mentally knew when it was, yeah. So you've got this relief now. You know your release date. Yeah. What's the procedure to take you out of the prison? Well, basically on the morning that they let you out, you just go down, fucking wait at the gate and fucking the van comes and takes you to the airport. But I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that procedure. So they call you out? Yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. So you got called down? Yeah. And you're like, you're not sure what's going on? No. And even right up to the minute they got me out the fucking gates, I was not sure what was going on. Yeah. What was the point where you actually realised that you were getting released? When I got in the van and the gates opened and we drove through it, which was fucking almost so happy. <laughs> How many days had you done? About two years, so whatever that is, fucking 700 fucking days and nights, but it felt like about 700 years <laughs> at the time, you know. <laughs> so you're in a van, are you in cuffs? Yeah, yeah. And um, in the prison, were you wearing... What clothes were you wearing in the prison? Basically just wearing, there was no prison issue clothes, it just shorts and t-shirts. I mean, it was so fucking hot there. I mean, I can't say, that, that, that saying of frying eggs outside, you could do it, it was so fucking hot. So if they give you your civvy clothes back now for, for your release? Well, I had the civvy clothes, what I had anyway, if you know what I mean. Yeah, in your yeah, cell. Yeah. 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 So, so have you got um, your passport and everything's in order for your deportation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you go straight to the airport or did you have to go to a deportation processing facility? No, we went straight to the airport. Straight to the airport. And how did that, what was that like? Well, when we got there, it turned out the plane was delayed and I had to stay in a holding room because I wanted to get out and be able to walk around and feel like I was free. But you're still under guard supervision. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, fuck, is this a wind-up? You know. yeah. But then eventually they boarded the airport and took the handcuffs off me and let me onto the plane. And then when the plane took off, that's when I felt, oh, fucking hell, I am free. <laughs> Sometimes they put guards on the plane with you. Yeah, they never, no. They never did no, that with you. No, no. And then you get on the plane first before the passengers? No, the passengers were already on there, if I remember rightly thinking about it. Okay. And how did it feel to be around normal people? Oh, felt fucking heaven <laughs> you know what, what, I mean? what were you noticing and smelling and detecting oh the perfume of the ladies you know um that smell of freedom basically you know <laughs> you know it's like oh, you know you've been to it John, you know how long was the flight i think it's nine ten hours yeah 
Mm. And how did that feel coming, just like getting closer to home? Oh, fucking. <laughs> oh, I think I was the happiest man alive that day, for sure. Mm. Anyone waiting for you at the airport? I could not know for security reasons. No, my, well, I didn't know, but my brother, when I got out, you know, you know, I mean, that is the worst thing is to lose your liberty, but the best thing of all, it's like your all your birthdays and Christmas have come at once when they let you out that day. You know, that feeling is like, oh man, thank you. Yeah. What was the first thing you did? Well, the first thing I did, I walked out of the airport. They kept me for two hours in Manchester. They went through everything, you know, the immigration. You know, I don't know because they're probably trying to find out, you know, he's just come back from Jamaica and, you know, and I'd brought, actually, I'd brought some paintings back. In the back of my mind, I started getting paranoid. I thought, I hope this cunt's not put anything in there, you know. You know, yeah. <sighs> Luckily, he never, but, you know, they're still going through my mind. And... um after two hours and came out of the airport, it was a brilliant sunny day as well. My brother just came up and took a photograph of me. I wasn't feeling good at all. My hair was down my back, my face. I don't know. I was fucking, you know, but I was, I did get down on the ground and kiss the fucking floor because I told myself when I get out of here, the first thing I'm going to do is, and I did get down on my, my brother laughed. I did get down and do that. Yeah. What was the first thing you ate? I can't remember. I hadn't sat on a toilet for a couple of years. I hadn't had a bath. I'd had these. It was basically a fucking hose pipe, you know what I mean? And water bottles over myself. So I got home to our kids and fucking run a hot bath and fucking got in that. So mm. used the toilet. I can imagine how, how good that must have felt. Oh, it did, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. I've just thought of something. My mate who introduced me to, who told me about you, his, name, his name's Mick. He's from Birmingham. It was him who told me about you, and, you know, quite a few people have told me about you. So I would just like to give him a big up. So this one's Yeah, from give, give him a shout out, yeah, definitely. Michael in Birmingham, yeah. <laughs> he's a very good friend as well. Yeah. So you've had your bath. Yeah. You're going to get some scran down, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Has your stomach shrunk? It has, yeah. I mean, I'd lost about two stone in weight, you know, sort of, yeah. What, what kind of food did you go for right away? To be honest, I had a fucking, I can't remember. <laughs> My family took me for Indian. Yeah, I, can't, I was so just, I was just so happy to be out, you know. Yeah. I think we ended up back at my brother's house and I just got in a bath and he got close to me and, you know, I was just, I was just a bit in shock as well, you know. So when you get out of prison, you're just happy to be out and that feeling is almost like you're on drugs. You're so happy. It is, yeah. How long did that feeling last? I still appreciate it now, to be honest. You know what I mean? I, you know, no matter what I've gone through in my life, I think it can never be as worse as what that was. <laughs> never, never. You've got that yardstick that lasts you for the rest yeah, of your yeah, life. Yeah. And then it makes you appreciate the small things, doesn't it? It does, yeah, 100%. So how did you get your life back on track and did you have PTSD? Well, I did have PTSD, yeah, fucking traumas, you know, but um, music saved me, really, because the first thing I wanted to do when I, I, I was to get back to London, I'd been living in London for years prior to going to Jamaica. I stayed a few days up north, but I was missing the pull with London. I wanted to get back into the music. I mean, I've wrote about a lot of this in the book, you know, so... Within a few days, I was, you know, I came back to London, basically. 
which was 2003. So, Did you have a relationship with a female? No, I never. I've had a lot of relationships, but I didn't at that time. Luckily, I'm glad I never as well, to be honest. I wouldn't have liked to have been in jail with all that going on, you know. It was just, you know. How did it feel to get together with a woman after all that abstinence? <laughs> well, <laughs> No comment. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, what year was it you released? 2003. I mean, the reason that I wrote this book, it, when I first come out, I was so busy with the music, I just didn't have time. And my flat burnt down a couple of years ago, and I, I'd been talking so i'm gonna write this book one day and i just kept putting it off i was managing bands i was managing bands i didn't have time after burning my flat down i thought right i've got to write this and i, I did write it so it took me a long time to write it it's hard know? work isn't yeah it? it is yeah especially when you don't have a clue as a writer you gotta you learn know? it off yeah, scratch. Yeah 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 i believe you've got 13 books out <laughs> fucking hell you're my inspiration i just dictate them now it's easier i mean i just you know how, how do you start it i mean i've written a lot about pablo escobar well i've seen that yeah, yeah. on the um and my life story is a trilogy and i just got a book out for christmas about the clinton body count oh. epstein and all that shit so what you you dictate it and it just writes itself i dictate it and it just appears on the screen okay it's called then. dragon dictation software you should be sponsoring me, Dragon, and Hillingdon Water. Get in touch. Do me a sponsorship deal. Come on. Yeah. Um, earlier on, you said that you'd been in Thai prison. I had, yeah, yeah. But that was a walk in the park compared to... It was, yeah, when I look back on it. I mean, it, it, was, it was dangerous in Thailand, but after, you know, small little, you know, friendly kind of ties and getting with these crazy yardies, it got all sort of different fucking... What world, year then. were you in Thailand? I, well, I was in Thailand on and off for about three years, but when I got arrested and ended up in jail there, I think it may have been, I'm not 100% sure, 95, 96. I'd, I'd travelled for years and years, fucking 20-year period. I went everywhere. I was here, there, and everywhere. I was, you know, in the height of the rave scene. After time, I didn't know where I was, you know. It's just, you know, when the ecstasy was good. I mean, I had 10 years probably as yourself. Mitsubishi. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and the... Um, doves. The and doves, yeah, yeah. yeah. What um, were you up to in Thailand that got you arrested? Well, I had a bar, basically, in um, me and a girl from Manchester, who was a girlfriend of mine at the time. We had a little bar in Lamai Beach. It was called a $10 million view, and we was... It was doing quite well for Thai style, making a bit of money here, and then we started buying weed to keep the tourists, you know, and, you know, this... this uh, how it ended up selling weed basically to tourists through the bar to, you know, the bar, it got quite popular. It was called the $10 million view, or we named it, because it was at the southern end of Lamai Beach. It was fucking beautiful. When you looked from the bar, all you seen was the view of the, the coastline of the beach. It was, it was wow. amazing. Yeah. So let me guess, you hadn't paid the police off. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they liquidated you. Yeah, well, they, they arrested us and um, they gave us bail. And I think I paid, it was something like a grand, got our passports back and done one. But we came back stupidly about a year later and got oh, re-arrested. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. went back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was my fault. It was my, it was my fault. I just couldn't remember. Both of you went back. Yeah, but she had a different passport. But I, 
I just could not resist. I loved, I loved Thailand. It's one of my favourite destinations mm. in the world. But um, you couldn't have gone Cambodia or Vietnam or Indonesia or somewhere else. Well, Indonesia, Malaysia. I mean, yeah. I've been all around them areas. But um, Thailand, it was. Yeah, I mean, from the eighties when we started going there, and I haven't been there since. I, the last time I went, I think, was 2007, and I couldn't believe the change. I don't know what the change is like now in 2000. Well, we're almost in 2020, aren't we? Yeah. So did they pinch you as soon as you touched down? It, well, they did at the, um, yeah, when we went through customs. How did that feel? Oh, man, I was gutted. I, I think I had £3,000 on me in traveller's checks. I was ready for a really good holiday and a good party, and to get arrested at the airport and sucked from there straight to the immigration jail in Bangkok, my fucking head was done in. <laughs> Were you thinking you might use that money to negotiate your way out? Yeah, yeah. How did that go? Well, we ended up spending about six weeks backwards and forwards to court and they took us down to Surutani and they we basically got a slap wrist and then deported. So a lot of that money went on lawyers and we ended up coming, we flew back into Manchester and I think three days later... We booked a return trip to um, Bali to carry on because I just coming back to Manchester in the middle of winter was a fucking no no. It just it became a massive ball ache. It cost money. Took six weeks of our time when we was I think on our way to Australia. I've wrote about this in the book because we was up to all kinds of stuff, and um, it was just a, it just caused a massive inconvenience more than anything. So your total incarceration in Thailand was six weeks. Yeah, I reckon about that. Yeah. What was the cells like in there and the prisoners? Well, it was like being in a fucking sardine can, you know what I mean? I remember when they opened the cell door at the time, I was thinking, this is going to be, how big this cell going to be? And then they opened it up and it was like being in a school hall, like a dining room. I didn't realise, you know, how big it was because, yet again, I didn't have a clue about the Thai prison system. Yeah. My friend Billy Moore was in Thailand. He's got that movie, A Prayer Before Dawn. Have you oh, heard of yeah. that? I have, yeah. I think, yeah. So he goes in and they're all like these tattoo guys and stuff like that and skinny people and they're all just laying on the floor. You basically just get a little sliver of space on the floor. That's, that's exactly, you couldn't put a cigarette paper through it. Yeah, that's how it was. And again, yeah. was it a case of you're the only white guy? Yeah, well, we was in the immigration, so it was predominantly, it was all people from Southeast Asia. I think there's one or two Russians in there, but Vietnamese, Burmese, Malaysian, you know, Indians. And how were they reacting to you when you first went in? Well, the first thing they did was we wanted to find out if we had any money, but they didn't have any on me, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. they just came up and asked you. Yeah, well, you know, fucking. And um, I remember... The guard walked us through and um, it was just full of fucking bodies, basically. And he just pushed one out of the way, pushed the other one out of the way, said to me, get there and fucking, you know. How was it sleeping like that? Well, at the time, the lights was on 24-7, so he was constantly talking. People was waking up, talking. He was going to sleep. It was like a, you know, yeah. Did you have a sleep schedule? Not really, no. I mean, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do then other than just lie there well tried to read you know obviously trying you know could you get anything that was western to read well my dad and my cousin who's from witness <laughs> and my brother from warrington they came over and started visiting us in that short period of time 
because they was traveling around anyway so i had a bit of outside help coming in so yeah which really helped you know over that short period of time it was more of a ball ache than anything yeah, yeah. so you, that that six weeks is over and um you said earlier on you'd done some time in the uk as well yeah when i was a kid yeah so that was juvie was it well i did uh, i mean I did seven sentences before I was 22, Jeez. before I got wise to myself and thought, I've got to get out of this town because if I carry on here, I'm going to end up doing a, a big sentence. So around about 22, 23, I started to wake up to myself and thought, I've got to get out of this town, which I did. I did a couple of borstals, a few prison sentences, a couple of detention centres. I was in Walton. I was in strange ways. But in reality, it was a rebellious period that I went through, and it's just a lot of bullshit, really. I mean, you know, when I look back on it, you know. We've interviewed a guard who was in Strange Ways, Neil Samworth, okay. on the podcast. How did you find Strange Ways? In them time, I'm talking about in the 70s when I was there. It's quite a long, long time ago, you know what I mean, when I was there. Yeah. You know, and it was quite, you know, well, the 70s was a really strange period, you know. It was, you know, it was a... Kind of a dark time, I think, the seventies. You know, so the guards were all like ex-military and slapping out and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of racism as well in them days. And were you having confrontations? Yeah, but it was only a kid. You know what I mean? It was in Boston detention, few rocks. You know, you're at that age where kids are just trying to get on with each other. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, how's your life now? Well, basically, for the last twenty years, I've been managing bands. Right. So it's been, you know, when I came back from Jamaica, I thought I've got to give up this fucking life of debauchery, you know what I mean? And try, you know, try something else, you know. Yeah. So I've been managing bands, running venues, going around the country. I just, you know, because I like to do extreme things. I don't think I could just sit in an office. Well, I never would be able to sit in an office, you know, so... And where are you going with this book? Well, as I say, the book came out in um, the 22nd of August. The next day I had the heart attack. I had a triple bypass. I was in hospital for three weeks. Then I went recovering on the South Coast for about a month. And so I'm now just kind of coming back to normal. I'm halfway th through the follow-up, which I'm still working on, which probably next year will be finished by it. I'm just starting to do the promotion about it, really, and just, you know, see where it goes from there. So why should people watching this video buy your book? It'll be a good read. It'll be a bit, bit of escapism. There's a lot of travel in there. There's a lot of fun in there. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. And if people watching this want to contact you, are you on social media? I'm on Tommy Kennedy the 4th. IV, the Roman numerals. I'm the fourth Tommy in my family. My son is the fifth. So it was a bit of a, you know, an American thing. But yeah. Tommy Kennedy, the fourth, you can find me on Facebook. Yeah. So if you send me all your links, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can put them on this page below this video and people can click over to your social media and stuff and follow you as well, as well as find your book. Nice one, John. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion to the people watching this? Oh, yeah, actually, I'm having the um, the book launch next Saturday, the 14th of December, 
at a place called the Mau Mau Bar. Well, it takes about three weeks for these videos to oh, get produced. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck it then, yeah. yeah, fuck it then, yeah. Anything else you'd like to say to people watching this in conclusion? Yeah, just read the book and hopefully you'll <laughs> enjoy it, you know. That's all I can... All right, so if you've enjoyed this video, please put your comments in the boxes below. We appreciate your subscriptions. Subscription logo is in the bottom right-hand corner of this video. Huge thank you to all of the new subscribers. Now we've gone over 300,000. YouTube has been unsubscribing people. They sent me an email saying they are unsubscribing people. So if you've been unsubscribed, please check and resubscribe. Also, huge thank you to all people who've donated on PayPal, Patreon, Just Giving, so that we can produce these videos in the studio with Joe and James and have a proper production team. So we do appreciate all your contributions enabling us to keep these videos coming out at least once a week. Usually Monday night, we've got a premiere at 6 p.m. And when we're doing more than just one a week, we're getting one out on a Wednesday night as well now as well. So thank you for watching. And thank, huge thank you for Tommy. Coming on, man, brother. Yeah, nice yeah, one, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you.